You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Although life is a journey, sometimes you just feel like you've reached the end. Life isn't a straight line. It has so many twists and turns, things around the bend that we never saw coming. Tragedy, sorrow, disappointment, trauma. It's a lot, and it's so easy just to get lost in the weight of it all. Have you ever felt like the world was against you? That even God was against you? I've prayed and cried. Why is peace so hard to find? God, are you with me on this journey? I'm not going to give up. I can't give up. I just wish I could understand what I'm supposed to do. I didn't know things would be this hard. God, where are you? Well, probably sometime in your life, you've asked that question, God, where are you? God, what are you up to? God, how did I get to this place? When is this season, when is this season going to change? Um, I think we've all been there. I mean, that's the reality of life, of walking out what we call our faith life in the midst of, in the midst of real life. And, and I believe there are some answers to those questions in the story of Ruth. This morning, we're launching... A two-part series on a little book tucked away in the Old Testament that has some great lessons for us as we're processing life. uh, It's the book of Ruth, and it's a real story about real life. So this is not like a makeup story. No, this is a real story about, I think, how life not only happened for Naomi and Ruth, but I, I think how it happens for us as we're processing out our life. We're gonna see uh, in this story God at work taking a bad situation and bringing good out of it. Now, if you've not read the book of Ruth, it's the eighth book in the Old Testament, a little bitty book, four chapters. If you've not read the book of Ruth lately, I would encourage you on this next week, read through the book of Ruth. Take you about 20 minutes. Actually, read through it twice. Uh, It'll be good for a great story with some great lessons for us in life. And we want to help you go deeper um, than just what's happening here on Sunday morning in a 30-minute sermon. Actually, it was 39 minutes. They told me to keep it shorter in this service. I'm going to try to do that for you. Um, More than just 30 minutes, we want to help you go deeper. So Monday through Friday, you can go to our Grace Covenant Facebook page, and we have a devotional, uh, a video devotional for you Monday through Friday. So you can check it out as we're kind of, again, helping you go deeper in the faith. You can also go to the YouVersion app and search Ruth, A Story of Redemption. There's some tools there to help you, again, go deeper in what we're talking about as we work our way through the book of Ruth. But as you read the the book of Ruth, in in the story, this is what you're going to discover. You're going to see pain, tragedy, loss, and struggle. Like the the real stuff that happens in life. But you're also going to see God working through it all to bring redemption. See, not only is God good, but he's consistently working for our good. But at times, here's the challenge, at times it can be difficult to see or it can be difficult to understand. When we find ourselves in those times, we can be challenged to live forward with confidence and faith. We can get lost in what we don't see. We can get lost in what we don't understand. We can get lost in the pain, the reality of the pain that that we're experiencing and, and even begin to doubt 
Is God real? Even begin to doubt. Does God care? Does God care about me? Does God care about my situation? You know, what I've discovered in my own journey of faith is that following God and trusting God is right, but it's not always easy. Following and trusting God is right, but it's not always easy. In other words, there's challenges that come along the way. You know, one of the things I think that challenges us today in our Western Christianity, our Western theology, and, and I hope to challenge us a bit in this series, in our Western theology and our Western mindset, what we have come to believe is that following Jesus is the path to blessing and success. Now, follow Jesus and you get success. Follow Jesus and you get blessing. And I think, I think that's true. But also understand that following Jesus can also take us through and into places of struggle and adversity. Now, we'd much rather have the, the theology of blessing than we had the theology of suffering. But just as there's the theology of the resurrection, so there's the theology of the crucifixion. You don't get to the resurrection without the crucifixion. In other words, Jesus experienced this time of suffering before he came to the triumph of the resurrection. And I think in our theology, we need to have a theology of blessing. Because again, I believe God is good and he wants to bring good things to your life. Can I get an amen on that? But I also understand this, is that there's times of suffering that we come to. And oftentimes, it's in those times that God is working in our good, for our good, in that time of struggle. If you just have a theology of blessing, and I think, again, this is one of the challenges today in our Western mindset, in our Western Christianity, is that we are so caught up in the theology of blessing that when we come to adversity and struggle, we get blown out of the water. Like, where's God? What's he up to? Why did he leave me? Why am I not being blessed? Because we have come to believe that following Jesus is just all about blessing, and it is about blessing. But again, there's also the other side of the coin. There's a theology of suffering, and I'm telling you, God is just as much God in the blessing as he is in the suffering. Don't get many amens on that, but it's true. We're going to see that. We're going to see that playing out in, in, the story of, in the story of Ruth. And possibly you come to a time where there's a loss of employment, there's a loss of your job, and there seems to be no doors of opportunity open. You're struggling with, like, how am I going to provide for the family? And you're wondering in that time, like, where's God at? He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the God of provision. Why am I not experiencing that in this situation? Or possibly it's like a diagnosis of a disease like cancer. There's a painful process that must be walked through. You pray, but there seems to be no answer. And in that, in that place, in that place you struggle. Possibly it's the betrayal of your mate or a close friend that creates deep pain. As you're navigating through that situation, you're wondering, again, where's God at? And what's he up to? Or possibly it's a crazy situation like COVID-19 and there's the presence of fear and questions as to what will happen. And during this, this pandemic that we're all presently navigating, we can wonder, like, what's God up to? I've been asked that question from March to now, I've probably been asked that question 52 different times. Pastor, what's God up to? Where's God at? Can I tell you where God's at? He's right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it, working for your good, for my good, and for the good of his redemption purposes. See, all of this is a part of us processing our faith life in a fallen world. 
process, processing our faith life in the midst of a world filled with, with imperfect people. Matter of fact, if you want to know what the biggest problem is, the biggest problem is you. Right? The biggest problem is me. I mean, we bring ourselves into this world as we're trying to walk out this faith life. There's the presence of sin. There's the presence of the depravity of humanity. In the midst of that, it creates challenges and struggles. And again, where we, what, what, we need, what we need to know, what we must know is that God is present and he's bringing his provision in those places. You've probably seen signs out in front of church buildings, the signs that, where they can change the messages. You know what I'm talking about? Like we don't have one, but there's churches in our community that have these they're kind of like billboard signs and they have different messages. People change out the message. And it's a great way to encourage people as they're kind of driving by the church. They read this. I, there was a message on a sign I, I saw not long ago that read this. It says, when you're at the end of your tether, remember, that's, remember that God is at the other end. When you're at the end of your tether, when you're at the end of your rope, Remember that God is at the other end. That little message reminds us that, that sometimes life brings us what seems like to places that we would say is the end of our tether, the end of our rope. The end of a place where we have solution for whatever it is we're facing. But it also encourages us to the fact that, that God is like in that place. And that's what Naomi, who's one of the key players in the book of Ruth, that's what she discovers as she's navigating some tragedy in her life. Like life had not turned out like she thought it would. She'd experienced some significant pain, some significant loss. But that was just one season of her life. There was another season where God was going to like turn her situation around, like flip the script of her life. But for Naomi, she couldn't see it while she was in that struggle. All she could see was her pain, all she could see was God's like apparent absence. I think we, we've all been there. Maybe you're there today. And I think that's why this little book, Tucked Away in the Old Testament, is so significant for us. It's a book about hope. It's a book that gives us hope. It's a book that gives us insight into how we can maintain confident faith in troubling places, in bitter places, in the hard places of our lives and that God is present even even in those even in those places and what we must understand is that life is not a straight line leading for like from one blessing to the next and then to heaven more so it's like this life is a winding and often troubled road in which God is at work for our good now what we would like is we would like the the life of blessing after blessing until we get to heaven but that's not like the reality, the reality of life. And the challenge is that oftentimes we can't see God at work. We, we can't see or fully understand what he's up to. It, it's that unknown that creates the problem. It's the unknown that requires us to move forward with faith and confidence in what we don't fully understand. And that's the very place that we find Naomi and Ruth as we look to Ruth chapter 1. I want to give you just a quick summary of the book of Ruth and a little background information. Then we want to read chapter one. But here's the quick summary. The book of Ruth is a story of God's providence and his redeeming love revealed through the, get this, through the adversities of life, in the adversities of life, and even through the poor choices of those involved. Because if we read the story, we're going to see that, that they made some choices that were not so good. And even in the midst of that, we see God working for good. 
You want Naomi and Ruth, who are the two key players in the story, discovers that even when life was bad, God was working his plan not only for their good, but for, but for the good of humanity. Again, the problem for them is they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it because they were so caught in the pain. They were so caught in the difficulty that they were navigating through. So let let me give you just a little background information that will help us set the story. The story is set in the time of the judges, a 300-year period of history in the nation of Israel. So we have Joshua who led the children of Israel into the promised land. Joshua dies, and then we have 300 years of history. That's not a real pretty picture. Matter of fact, here's the summary of the book of Judges. Everyone did what he thought was right in his own eyes. It was chaos. There was rebellion. As a result of the rebellion, as we come to Ruth's story and the setting for this story, God has brought a curse on the land. There's a famine that's happening in the land, and it's the judgment of God. It's the judgment of God as a result of the rebellion of the children of Israel. And in the midst of this, there's a man by the name of Elimelech. Elimelech who says, hey, uh, it's not good here. There's no food. So he says to his wife, Naomi, hey, why don't we go down to a pagan land? How many many of you can say bad choice? Bad choice, bad decision. But they head from the land that God had given them, the promised land, down to a pagan land. Um, And it's there that they live for a season of time. It's interesting that Elimelech's name literally means my God is king. Naomi's name means pleasantness. But rather than trusting in God's provision that they decide to launch out on their own and life even becomes more challenging. But again, through it all, God's at work. Again, even in their poor choosing, even in their wrong choosing. And as we come to the end of this story, God provides a kinsman redeemer through which a child is born that becomes the grandfather of King David. And a Moabite woman becomes a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's interesting. It's important to kind of connect those dots. And that even in this story in the book of Ruth, we're connecting it. What happened in Bethlehem uh, was actually the the place where Jesus was born years before. There was this story playing out where God was at work in the adversity of Naomi's life. And it's a story of, it's a story of redemption. It's interesting, the story begins with Naomi's losses. It ends with Naomi's gains. The story begins with death and it ends with birth. We see the providence of God in his work, not just for Naomi and Ruth, but for each of us today. So you want to connect Ruth's story all the way up to the present of our story today. Because it's out of the adversity that we have um, the plans laid for the redemption, for the birth of the Messiah, and obviously for salvation for mankind. Pretty big deal. And it's all here in this little book called Ruth. So if you have your Bibles, look with me to, to chapter one. I want to read the whole chapter to kind of set the story. So it's on the screen. If you have your scripture, you can follow along. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephraimites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left 
were their two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So when it seems like it couldn't get any worse, it actually gets worse. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of, of the people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughter and daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had li been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight, then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you. Notice, notice her perspective here. Because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this, they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Will you die? I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. Because the Lord Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So as we come to this point of the story, Naomi, Naomi has experienced great loss. She seems to be without hope. Both her husband and her two sons have died and she, like she's left destitute. In her crisis, she decides to leave this pagan land of Moab to go back to her homeland, to the town of Bethlehem, interesting, the very birthplace of Jesus, the town of Bethlehem. And as she returns, she's convinced in her mind, in her thinking, as best she can understand the situation, it seems like, like God's against her. Remember, as she comes back to the town, it's almost like she's pointing her finger at God saying, God, this is your fault. All of this pain, all of this loss, all of this hardship, God, it's your fault. Remember, she even says, it's the Lord whose hand is against me. It's the Lord Almighty who has afflicted me. And maybe you've been there at some point in your life or possibly you're there today where there's been 
bitter experiences, there's been hardship, there's been difficulty, there's been suffering, there's been adversity. Or maybe you have a family member, a friend who is, who is in that place. And, and in that time and in that place, you're wondering, where's God at and what's he up to? It's like everything's going wrong and, and nothing's going on. Like, like, what's God doing in my life in this time and in this season? Where is the presence of God? Where is the provision of God? So in those times, again, this is the real stuff of life. In those times, how can we keep a right perspective? In those times, how can we rightly respond when life seems to be going wrong? I, I believe the story of Naomi and Ruth gives us some insight and help as, as we process through these challenging places of life. Again, life's not a straight line of blessing. It's a winding road. That oftentimes, oftentimes has adversity, difficulty, and suffering. So what can we learn from their story? What can we learn from Ruth chapter 1? The first thing is this. The first truth I think we need to grab a hold to is we need to understand that life can be hard and at times it's difficult to understand. If you don't nail that down, that at times life is hard and difficult to understand, then when you come to a difficult place, a hard place, then you're going to be challenged in your faith life. If your mentality is, well, God's only a God of blessing and he's only in a place of blessing, and you come to a hard place, then it's going to mess with your theology. But life is full of of challenges. Life is full of struggles. It can be hard, hard to understand at times. I mean, we can come to places in life that just doesn't make sense. You've probably been there. I've been there. Difficult times to navigate through. I mean, I just think of some recent, recent situations. I have a niece in Arkansas uh, two weeks ago, gave birth to her first child, had a number of health challenges. Three days after birth, the child died. What do you say? How do you, how do you explain that? I have a friend whose four-year-old daughter was diagnosed with a brain tumor. The surgeons were able to successfully remove the tumor. Now there's a long process of treatments. And I'm telling you, it's a hard place for that family. About two weeks ago, the dad called me. He says, Pastor, how do I talk with my four-year-old daughter about losing her hair? Those are tough questions in the reality of life. I have another friend who just this past week, his mother passed away and his dad being married for 40 plus years just lost his companion. And it's sorrow and it's, and it's grief. And I could go on and on with real life stories of real pain and tragedy. So when we come to these times, life is hard. At times it's difficult to understand. It's like, this doesn't make sense. You know, it's been said that we, we live life forward, but we, we understand it backwards. I mean, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward. That was true for Naomi and her story. And Elimelech and Naomi experience a famine. There's a food shortage. So by their own choosing, own choosing, they go down to Moab. Elimelech dies and Naomi's now a widow in a foreign land. Naomi's two sons marry Moabite. Women and their wives are, are barren. So in other words, there's no offspring. 
Not a good place to be. Naomi's two sons died. When you think it couldn't get worse for Naomi, like it gets worse. And as she returns to Bethlehem, she tells the people to call her Mara because the Lord has made her life bitter. She even goes on to say, the Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. As Naomi's trying to understand, as she's trying to make sense of what's happening in her life, the only conclusion she can come to is like God has turned away from her. Like God's nowhere in the picture. That's the conclusion she came to. Now she's not accurate in her conclusion. She's not accurate in her assessment. But because she's in a place of difficulty and she doesn't understand it, that's where she lands. Obviously God's against me. He's not for me. You know, like Naomi, when we've decided that God's against us, we usually exaggerate our hopelessness. In other words, we see all the places that God's not working rather than seeing the places that he is working. We see all the things that God's not doing rather than seeing the things that he's, he's doing. We, we become convinced that there's no way that God can turn our situation around. I mean, that's where Naomi was at. Because you didn't understand that sometimes life is just hard. You go through seasons. There's seasons in life that's difficult. See, what we must understand today is that when you choose to follow Jesus, you're not promised a problem-free existence. Again, we bought into that, I think, distorted theology that says just say yes to Jesus and everything's going to be great just say yes to Jesus and it's blessing after blessing after blessing like you won't be able to contain it and I do believe that God is a God of blessing I do believe that God is good and he brings good things to our life but I also understand again just as much as God is God in the blessing so he's still God in the suffering in our lives when we choose to follow Jesus, you're not promised a problem for existence, but this is what you are promised. You're promised God's presence and his help. Now, I love this scripture. I often go to this in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 that says this, God says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Therefore, we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. So when you come to a hard place or a painful place in life, and you're trying to understand it, listen, be confident that God is present and working even if you can't feel it, even if you can't see it, even if you can't define it, he is there in that place. So look for the places that God's at work rather than the places where it seems that he's absent. I think here's the second great lesson we can learn from Naomi's crisis situation and it's this, at times it's difficult to understand what God's up to which can exasperate us and turn us bitter. Exasperate us. That's exactly what happened to Naomi. Because she suffered hardship and loss and she can't see where God's working, she becomes angry with God. Again, basically she's pointing her finger in this story. She's pointing her finger at God and saying, God, this is your fault. You created this. You, you caused this. You're the author of this. As she returns to Bethlehem, all of the women gather around. It's like there's this little excitement celebration party, Naomi's return. And again, the word Naomi, interesting, means bless, blessedness. So they, they're saying, oh, it's Naomi. She's returned. She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. God has made my life better. Not only has her life been bitter, but what's interesting, if you read the story, Naomi's become bitter. Angry at God, 
closed off to God. Because, here's the problem, she's interpreting God through her circumstance. Listen, friends, what you don't want to do is interpret God through your momentary, temporary circumstances. If you do, you're going to end up with a distorted view of who God is. You're going to end up with some warped theology. We don't want to interpret God through our circumstances. We, want to, we always want to go back to the truth of what God's word says about who God is, about how God works. So don't make the mistake that, that Naomi made and, and try to interpret God through your circumstances. No, anchor yourself to the truth of God's word. In the dark, difficult places of your life, listen, you have to know that God is good and he's always working for your good, even if your circumstances don't prove that yet. Again, there'll be another season. There was for Naomi, there will be for you. You have to know that God is all powerful. He's not limited in any way. In a moment's time, he can change your circumstances. You have to know that God loves you outrageously and he's with you. He may not deliver you from the circumstance, but if you look to him, he will walk with you through the circumstance. And whatever you do, Whatever you do, friend, don't allow the momentary, temporary circumstances to shape your view of who God is. We always want to go back to the truth of what God's Word says as we define who God is and how He works in our lives. Here's a third lesson we can learn from Naomi's crisis. It's this human adversity becomes God's opportunity for advancing His great redemptive purposes. Oftentimes, it's out of our adversity. It's out of our difficulty. It's out of our pain that God does his deepest and greatest work, not only in our lives, but for the lives of others. See, often God chooses to work through our struggle and through our pain rather than just delivering us from the pain. Our places of struggle, although we'd rather not have them, can be the place that God works for his glory and our good. And we see that consistent throughout Scripture. I mean, there's story after story, not just Naomi's story. I mean, I think of the story of Joseph, Genesis 37, through the end of the book of Genesis. The story of Joseph, who was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery. Not only is he a slave, as he's a slave, he's lied on by the, pastor, uh, by the pastor's wife, by the, by the boss's wife. Ah, that's a little twist in the story, isn't it? The boss's wife says that Joseph has tried to attack her. So Joseph goes from being betrayed by his brothers, a slave, to thrown in prison. And there's a season of Joseph's life that's very difficult. Then in a moment's time, God flips the script. He goes from being in prison to second in command of all of Egypt. And there came a time later when his brothers, the ones who sold him into slavery, are standing before him. And they're kind of like worried about, okay, now what's going to happen? We know what we did to him. What's he going to do to us? Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says, what you intended for harm, God has turned for good. In other words, God was at work through all of this adversity to bring not only salvation for you, but for the nation of Egypt. Amazing story. God working in the adversity. I I think of the story in Daniel chapter 3, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Great story. If you haven't read it recently, I encourage you to read it. But you have, Dan, you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are thrown into the fiery furnace. I don't even know God could have delivered them from the furnace. But he didn't. He showed up with them in the furnace. And as they came out of the furnace, 
unharmed. God was glorified. I have to believe that their faith grew. I mean, if I went through the fire and I wasn't made a crispy critter, I would, I would, that would grow my faith. They received greater favor. God's kingdom was extended. All of that happened, get this, when God went with them through the furnace, through the adversity. I, I think of the apostle Paul. Interesting, Acts chapter 9. Before he was Paul, his name was Saul. He was actually a, a killer of Christians. He was trying to destroy the church. God encounters him on the road to Damascus, strikes him down. He's blinded. It's like this life-transforming experience. And God says to Ananias, Ananias, I want you to go to, I want you to go to, Saul, whose name is changed now to Paul, I want you to go and tell him, this is what I want you to tell him. I want you to tell him how much he's going to have to suffer for me. Interesting. God didn't say to Ananias, Ananias, go tell Paul how many churches he's going to plant. Go tell Paul what, what a great apostle he's going to be. Go tell Paul like how many books of the Bible he's going to write. That's, that's not what God said. God said, Ananias, I want you to go tell Paul this, how much he's going to have to suffer for me. And interesting, while Paul was suffering in prison, God didn't deliver him from prison. God was with him in prison. Today we have four books in the New Testament we call the prison epistles that were written where? While Paul was in prison. Well, he was in a hard place, a difficult place, a painful place. It was there that God was at work. Listen, human adversity oftentimes becomes God's opportunity for advancing his great redemptive purposes. So oftentimes we see this throughout scripture. God takes places of adversity and he turns them and he uses them for his good and for the good of others. So here's my encouragement to you. Stay focused knowing that God is able. Stay faithful to the God who's working for your good and stay committed to moving through your struggle, your adversity, worshiping, not whining. Their adversity can become a place of of God's opportunity. Here's a final lesson I think we can learn from Naomi's struggle, her crisis. It's this, God's, God constantly watches over every one of his people and really does order circumstances of life for our greatest good. So not only does God reign in all the affairs of men and not only is his providence sometimes hard, but in all his works, his purposes are for the good of those who set their hearts to seek him. God ordering. Hey, Naomi couldn't see it. God was at work, if you will, get this, behind the scenes. God was at work in the midst of her pain, in the midst of her loss, in the midst of her difficulty. God was at work ordering the circumstances of her life. Did, did God cause the death of her husband? I, I don't believe that. Did God cause the death of her sons? I don't believe that. Again, we live in a fallen world where stuff happens, bad stuff happens. But we see God at work behind the scenes, ordering even that of their wrong choices. Notice God didn't tell them to go down to a pagan country. They chose to go to a pagan country. In other words, in rebellion against God, leaving the place of God, going into a pagan country, even God chose to use their bad decision to order for their good. God was behind the scenes working in all of this. I think as Naomi came to the end of her life and looked back, she saw the hand of God working for her good. Although she thought that the hand of God was against her, what she discovered is the hand of God was working for her good and her bitterness was turned to joy. Let me tell you, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. 
And we'll get to this next week, but as you come to the end of the story, there was a man, a, a wealthy businessman by the name of Boaz, who became a kinsman redeemer. I'll, I'll unpack that term more next week. A kinsman redeemer. He stepped in and he married Ruth, the Moabite, the young Moabite woman. He married Ruth and their first son was the grandfather of King David. So Naomi's grandson became the grandfather of one of the greatest kings of Israel, King David. And not only that, Ruth, a Moabite woman, was grafted into the lineage of Jesus Christ. Bring us back to the, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. But there was something happening years earlier in Bethlehem that was about God taking a really bitter experience in a woman's life by the, Naomi, by the name of Naomi and turning it for her good. God constantly watches over you, every one of his people. And he's, what, what does he do? He, he orders the circumstances of life for our greatest good. You know, the Apostle Paul summarizes this truth in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Listen to how the scripture reads. And we know that in all things, all things. Can you say it with me? All things. Let's say it again. All things. All things includes what? The good, right? And the, and the bad. Time of blessing and the time. And all, in all things, what, what's God doing? In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So whatever you're processing through in life or whatever you, you may have to process through in life, listen, live confidently knowing that God is present. He's not absent, he's present and he's working for your good. Although you may not fully understand the situation or, or readily see God's hand at work, know that God is both sovereign and good and he's ordering the circumstances of your life as to the plan, as to his plan for your greatest good. Now, as I said earlier, life is not a straight line leading from blessing to blessing and then to heaven. Life is a winding and often troubled road in which God is at work for your good. So as you navigate the twists and turns of life, and that's what we have, we have the twists and turns of life. I wanna leave you with three things that you never wanna forget. Three things, friend, that you must anchor yourself to as you're walking out your faith and the reality of what happens in life. Here's the first thing. God is both sovereign and good. Sovereign and good. You know, the story of Ruth along with Joseph and Job and Esther and others is in the Bible, I think, to prepare us for bitter providences by showing us again and again that God is doing a thousand things that we do not know. And they're meant for our good. God's working behind the scenes, so to speak. As we're in our times of struggle and our times of celebration, God's not only above it all, but he's in it all, ordering the stuff of life as to his plan for our good. So when you're in a hard place, a painful place, know that God is both sovereign and he's good. Hey, Here's a second truth you want to hold on to as you navigate the twists and turns of life. Never forget that God is faithful. He's faithful to his promises. In other words, he'll do what he said he was going to do. He's faithful. 
Psalm 145 verse 13 says, the Lord is faithful to all of his promises and loving toward all that he's made. Isaiah 40 verse 7 says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. When you're in a hard place in life or in a place that's difficult to understand or or possibly you, you don't presently see God at work like you thought he would, listen, don't abandon the faith. Don't abandon the faith. Hold on to the promises of God. Listen, in every hard place, in every bitter place of your life, you have a choice to make. And the choice is this. Are you going to run from God or are you going to run to God? You'll make that choice. In that hard place, in that difficult place, when life seems to be against you, when everything seems to be going wrong instead of going right, are you going to run from God or are you going to run to God? Are you going to abandon his promises or are you going to cling to his promises? And God is faithful to his promise. When will it happen, friend? I can't tell you that. Will it happen? I can tell you absolutely it will. Why? Because God is faithful to his word. He's true to his word. Lastly, in the twists and turns of life, know that God is working for your good. Now, like Naomi, it may be difficult to see, difficult to discern in the season that you're in. It may actually look like God's absent or even working to bring harm. I mean, that's what Naomi thought. But what she didn't know is that God was behind the scenes working for her good and her future as to his plan. Hear me, friend, the same is true for your life. In it all and through it all, know that God is always working for your good. It may not appear it, it may not appear that way in this season. God is good and he's working for your good. Be confident of that truth. That's what we see in Naomi's story. Don't allow that hard place to make you bitter. Actually allow that hard place to drive you deeper in your pursuit of God. I'm just returning from a week's vacation. I was in Arkansas for a week spending time with my my parents, who I just so love and honor, godly parents. I've been blessed with a great heritage. But five years ago, August, five years ago, my, my dad had a stroke. And my dad was strong, hardworking, strong work ethic. As I was growing up, we would work six days a week on the farm, and he pastored two churches on Sunday. I have no idea how he pulled it off. Good man, God-fearing man. Five years ago, he had this stroke, and he became a disabled man. Today, we're grateful that he can make it from the, cap, from the recliner to the table, from the table to his bedroom, back to the recliner. But today, my dad spends most of his days in a recliner. So I was home last week, and I just got to hang out with, with my parents, and amazing, and what I would say is the most adverse, difficult place of my parents' life, the story that they have to tell. Matter of fact, if you were able to go and sit with my parents today, my dad's 80, my mom's 77, they would tell you, and they've told me this a number of times, they would tell you this is the best season of their life. They would tell you that their marriage has grown stronger and deeper in this season more than any other season. First 50 years, 
They were busy, they were building, they were gathering, they were working, they were just doing life. Last five years, they just spent a lot of time together and they had a lot of conversation. They would say, this is the best season of their lives. In the adversity, in the pain and what I don't fully understand. Second thing, if you were able to sit with my dad today, this is what he would tell you. He would tell you how blessed he is in his life. Again and again, I, I heard it all last week. The goodness of God. Wow, God's been so good. He so blessed us. He brought such opportunity. The third thing that would happen if you were able to sit with my disabled dad today is he would tell you about this reality. Jesus is coming back soon. You better get right with God. He has a lot of visitors that come through. Remember, I had to create a little sign to put on the front door that said, due to Virgil's help, please limit your visits to 30 minutes. There's a lot of visitors. Every individual that comes into their home today hears about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They hear about the goodness of God, the promises of God, and the faithfulness of God. Amazing. Out of this adverse, difficult, painful season of life, God's at work for my parents' good, the good of his kingdom. It's an amazing story. And it's the story of a redeeming, restoring God who's always working for our good. Amen. Lord, we thank you today that you are merciful and that you are good and that you're always working for our good. Lord, the reality is as we come to times in life that we'd rather not navigate through, we come to times in life that like Naomi, we don't understand. But Lord, my prayer today for every individual here is that we would choose to look for the places you're at work, not the places that you're seemingly absent. Lord, the, my prayer today is that in those hard places, because life is not a straight line, blessing after blessing that we get to heaven. Lord, the reality is life is full of twists and turns. In those times when we come to those hard places, Lord, my prayer today is Lord, that we would find ourselves running to you, not running from you. Lord, in those times that it just doesn't make sense and we're trying to figure it out, we're not seeing you work the way we thought you would work. We're not seeing you come through as we thought you were gonna come through. Lord, may we anchor ourselves to the promise of your word. May we not fall prey to interpreting who you are through the circumstances that we're navigating. But we, may we anchor ourselves to the truth of your word. And that our faith might grow even stronger as you are working behind the scenes, your redeeming, restoring work. May we learn that from Naomi, from Ruth, in this story. And even in the bitter providences of life, God, you're there and you're at work. May we be confident in that. With every head bowed and eye closed, I, I wouldn't want to conclude today without just taking an opportunity possibly to pray with someone. Maybe there's two or three or four 
here this morning, we just say, hey, I, I can so identify with Naomi. I'm in a difficult, hard place in my life right now. I've had loss. I've had adversity. Everything seems to be going wrong instead of going right. I, I don't know what your situation or story might be. But maybe you're in that hard place. I, I just want to pray with you and for you right now for the peace of God and the hope of God. In your life and in that situation, is there anyone just by raising your hand would say, Pastor, that's me. Yeah, see that hand. Anyone, anyone else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Lord, I pray today for individuals' hands lifted. And for those, Lord, who didn't raise their hand because their place is so painful right now that they just couldn't. God, I thank you that you know exactly what God, you know that difficult place they're in, that season that they're navigating through. Lord, I pray for your encounter, for your encouragement. God, what I know is you're with them and for them. And Lord, even in that season, though they may not see it, God, you're working for their good. So Lord, may they be, may they have hope in that hard place today. And may they be encouraged, God, to continue to run toward you, not from you. Now, Lord, even as you did for Naomi, you brought restoration and redemption out of that hard place. God, so I pray that for them today. May Naomi's story be their story of your redeeming, restoring work. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.